Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with him, just as he was in their boat. Other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already swamping. But Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? Here ends our reading. Well, good morning. You guys are half awake, but that's good. It's so great to be here. I uh, graduated the year this building went up, and it's uh, really exciting to be back and hear the choir in this building. I sang with the choir as well when I was here and have not heard such glorious sounds for a long time. So thank you. Um, my title today is The Gift of Storms. And it's always interesting when someone calls you and says, hey, come speak, how God actually orchestrates everything that's needed for that. Today we had a baptism and we talked about water. Uh, my pastor this week has been talking about rains and storms, so it's kind of interesting that months ago when we set this afoot, God already had a plan. Well, 22 years ago, Gary Chapman released his book, The Five Love Languages. How many of you read that book? Okay, so some of you will know what I'm talking about. This book was revolutionary for me, and specifically revolutionary for my marriage. In this book, he outlines five love languages. They are gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. Well, next week, my husband and I celebrate our 22-year wedding anniversary. And if I go back to the, book, the time this book was first released, we'd only been married for two years. And why this book was so revolutionary to me was that We'd often have this thing that would happen in our home where my husband would go on a business trip and come home, and I, as a new bride, I was excited and waited for him to come home, and he'd open his suitcase, and there was nothing for me. <laughs> See, when I would go on a business trip, I would make sure to stop by whatever Major League Baseball park I was in town for and make sure to take him something that I thought meant the world to him, because my love language was gifts. And I think without that decoder ring, it would have been really hard for us to understand that each of us speaks a different language. I love the series that you're in, and the every good and perfect gift comes from above, and I understand you've had amazing messages this year around gratitude and service and hope and even the gift giver himself. But I want to talk to you today about gifts in a slightly different context. 
But let's step back and think about gifts. When we think about gifts, I know I think about the pretty shiny packages. I think about Christmas morning. I think about how gifts make me happy. But the greatest gifts are often those that we didn't ask for. They're personal, they're tailored to us, and they bring us great joy. But what if I also told you that this last one, they're unexpected, they're personalized, and they bring us great joy, actually came in the form of packages that sometimes were painful, that sometimes would make me cry, that weren't pretty blue boxes, but they actually came along at times that seemed least convenient, and they were hard to recognize. I'm talking about trials, and I'm talking about storms. See, some of you may be in the midst of storms. Some of you may just have come out of one. Some of you may be anticipating one. Some of you are about to go into a brave world where you will encounter them. And what I want to do is share with you today three gifts, I think, that God gives to us in these storms. And they are the gifts of perseverance, praise, and peace. These gifts are not often what we think we want or need at the time, but without them, we aren't ready for the next level. Your text that you're in this year, if you back up just a few verses to James 1, 2, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Think about those words for a minute again. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Develops perseverance. It is not an overnight gift. It is not easily recognizable. It comes through the storm. Perseverance can be described by Webster as the ability to achieve something despite difficulties, despite failures, despite oppositions. Some synonyms for this are tenacity, grit, moxie, immovability, determination, or one of my favorite, steadfastness. We see this in the Psalms. David often talks about having a steadfast heart. And David spent many of his life running from the king that he served, running from his son, living in exile, and yet he developed a steadfast heart. Through the, pers through the trials, he persevered, and even when the king himself was delivered into David's hands, he refused to touch him, and he chose to trust God. See, perseverance isn't about the easy road. It's about staying in it. You know, I work in corporate America and high tech and have been involved in that for over 20 years, and I will tell you that industry changes at the, like the breeze. Um, and there are many times where I've encountered situations in my career that require perseverance, one of which came up, ironically, um, when I was called to, to come here. And I was in the midst of a really big conflict with my current boss, a conflict of vision. And I will never forget something he said to me. He said, Ellie, stay and learn it here. Because the temptation when you have conflict is to leave. The temptation is to run away, to get to the safe ground, to leave the storm. But it's in staying in that storm that this gift of perseverance is born. 
so just like King David, can I encourage you to have a steadfast heart and to treasure this gift of perseverance. But what about the joy part of that verse? I don't know about you, but I am not very joyful when I need to go through a trial. I don't want to rejoice, and if I'm honest, I'd love to live my whole entire life without them. Perhaps that's true for all of us, but there's something born in those trials, and that's praise. And we see this in Acts. There's no greater passage to me that illustrates this than Paul and Silas, who were merely doing their job, and this spirit-filled woman was coming behind them, giving away their whole plan. These men are here to tell you how to be saved. And Paul finally got so tired of it, he turned around, rebuked the spirit within her, and it left her. But her bosses weren't too happy with that because they realized that this woman who had been using this spirit couldn't tell fortunes anymore. So he took them before the magistrates, and they were stripped and whipped and thrown in jail. They were in a trial that they didn't even really anticipate but God had planned bigger things there. For while they were in the jail that night, there were several prisoners there, and you would think, as I would, being stripped and whipped, I might just sulk. But not them. At midnight, it says, they sang so loud that the very foundations of that prison were shaken, and the shackles came off their feet. The shackles didn't come off just Paul and Silas. The shackles came off every prisoner in that prison. Additionally, the jailer came to the Lord. So sometimes our prayer and our praise, born out of our pain, will release a freedom in others and not just ourselves. How do we praise in that time? You know, I think about Hurricane Katrina. It was probably the most disastrous hurricane, even more disastrous than Sandy that we just experienced. And there was a song birthed during that time by a group called Casting Crowns. I will praise you in this storm. And I don't know if you've ever sat down and really listened to the lyrics of that, but it starts out saying, I thought by now, God, you would have done something. You would have healed us. You would have stopped this rain. But nevertheless... I will praise you in this storm because you are God. That's the same heart, the same steadfast heart Paul and Silas praised God with during that time, and he loosed the shackles for people. And that brings us to our third and final gift, which is really where we see our main text today, and that is the gift of peace. Often when we're in these storms, we asked, does God care? Even the disciples themselves woke Christ up and said, don't you care if we drown? It was a direct question, very similar to the ones we ask God too. What you need to know here at the Sea of Galilee, storms are not unfamiliar. And what's ironic to me in this, situ in this story is that many of these disciples were fishermen. Like they hadn't encountered storms before. They certainly had. In fact, if you have had the chance to, be this, uh, to go to the Sea of Galilee, it's surrounded by these really high mountains. The Sea of Galilee itself is seated 680 feet below sea level. The mountains are about 2,000 feet high, and the difference between temperatures is what causes these storms, often those that come at night. So surely as fishermen, they had navigated some of these storms. But they came, and in the midst of the night, the squall came up, 
and it says Jesus was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. Now, I always think about that sometimes. It's kind of humorous to me. Um, <clears throat> but it's also kind of irritating, to be honest. Like, hello? How does that water not wake you up? <laughs> like, we're drowning. Don't you see that? But what's interesting, again, if you look at the context of this verse, he had just spent the whole day talking about faith. He had unleashed the parable of the sower, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the grow, grower. All of this was about faith. And here they'd cross this chasm. He's exhausted. He's worn out. And he raises up in the middle of the night when they cry to him and says, Be still, wind, and says to them, Do you still have no faith? But what I find comforting here is that Jesus was in the stern. He wasn't on the lake. He wasn't on the shore. He was in the boat. We often feel afraid in the storms of life. We forecast the worst-case scenarios. If you're anything like me, you play them in your mind again and again and again. But God does not slumber or sleep today. He is closer than we think in times of trouble. The storm wasn't, this storm wasn't the only physical storm that the disciples encountered in the middle of the lake. The other one is written in Matthew 14. Once again, the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee, cruising from one side to the other, trying to get away from the crowds. And Jesus decides to take a little quiet time away with his father, decides to walk on the water at three in the morning. Sleepy and weary-eyed, the disciples see him, and they're freaking out. This surely must be his ghost. But Jesus says to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And that's what God says to us in these storms. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. So while these storms may come, and we may not recognize them as a gift, Surely they are. Maybe the testing of our faith is what allows us to become mature and complete and lacking in nothing, as James said earlier. And when we realize that God's presence is there and he is the God who has the power to quell the waves in the storm, we have peace. So in conclusion, I still don't like the fact that storms come in my life but I have learned to accept them as a good and perfect gift from above. And now when the clouds roll in, I kind of steady myself, take a deeper breath and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to learn whatever is next because God's given me this gift of perseverance and praise and peace. So next time you're in a storm, let me remind you to do three things. Number one, Pray that God will help you persevere, not just survive, but persevere with a steadfast heart to develop your strength and to develop your faith. Number two, praise him in the pain. Let him shake loose the foundations of fear in your life to give you the bigger picture. Praise him loudly and publicly so that all those around you who witness his provision in your life his freedom for you will be set free as well. And thirdly, be at peace. Know that he is right here, and he doesn't sleep today. His presence and power are always with us, and it's his breath inside us when we cry out that he responds to.
So as our brother James exhorted us, let me say to myself and to us, let us consider it pure joy. Whenever we face trials of many kinds, because we know, we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. Now that's a gift, and you don't need a decoder ring for that. He loves us, and can we see that his love language is the gift of presence? in the midst of the storm. He is the God of the storms. Amen.